Panic on the streets of London Panic on the streets of Birmingham I wonder to myself Could life ever be sane again On the lead side streets that just slip Hello from Hollywood and welcome to this very special NFL Draft recap of The Greatest Show on Grass. I'm your host, Joshua Newman. And I'm joined today by Brian Kalbrowski, managing editor of USA Today's Rams Wire. That was The Shins with their cover of The Smith's Panic. It's hard not to panic when every reputable football analyst is grading your draft among the NFL's worst. And when your division rival 49ers and new inner city rival Chargers are graded among the NFL's best. According to the Washington Post, since 1996, the Rams have drafted worse than every team in the NFL, except for the Cleveland Browns and the Detroit Lions. On today's episode, Brian and I went pick by pick through the Rams' 2017 selections, wondering to ourselves, could life ever be sane again? Um, Wanted to start by asking you uh, what you thought of our uh, second round pick. Um, Gerald Everett, who was uh, chosen 44th overall. Uh, historically, um, I think tight end has been a, a tough position for, for this team. Um, was he the best player available? So before the draft, the Rams said that they wanted to do best player available. Um, and then they immediately pro, uh, showed that that was not the case. Gerald Everett, I do not think was the best player available, but I do think that he is going to be a great fit for the team. In fact, I honestly wouldn't be particularly surprised if he leads the uh, playmakers and touchdowns next season based on what I've seen from his tape. Um, I love tight ends that have a basketball background. They've proven to have a pretty good history in the NFL as well. I think that perhaps my greatest moment so far in my Rams writing career has been when uh, I predicted earlier in there that they would draft him but I thought that they would get him in the third round. Um, They had a lot of interest in Evan Ingram, and uh, I think they're pretty similar players, so Mm -hmm. I wasn't particularly surprised that they'd want someone to kind of fill that Evan Ingram from Ole Miss's role. Do you think, uh, you know, Les Snead after day one said that his guy was still on the board, but do do you think that Ingram was his guy and that they had to talk them into and that they had to talk themselves into sort of choice one B in Gerald Everett. Most publications that I saw um, said that the Rams guy was Ingram, which would mean that less need saying that his guy was still on the board was just not a true statement. But what is he supposed to say? Like, no, my guy is off the board. We're going with plan B. I mean, a lot of the things that, People say pre-draft are all smoke screens. I'll I'll, I'll answer that. I mean, I think what he could say is, you know, we didn't have one guy. We had a group of guys because the talent after the top tier was so deep. It was very deep. So um, at so many different positions that we're just waiting for the best player available to slip to us. Which happened. Yeah. But which happened. Unfortunately, what I think is that the Rams could have traded down again and still picked up Gerald Everett yeah. if they wanted to. Um, they heard that he wouldn't make it out of the second round, uh, which is possible. There are players that'll jump. I mean, I had a third round grade on him based on probably the six or seven uh, mock drafts that I looked at. 
because what I was doing is I was compiling a list of all the players that the Rams had met with uh, during the, the offseason. And they had met with Everett, so he was on my board. And I kind of compiled a list of every publication that had a, a round mock draft on him. And he was somewhere in the mid-third round or something like that for most of the ones that I saw. So, you know, there's always a chance that the mock drafts are wrong and he could have been someone that jumped up. I mean, very athletic, didn't start playing football until later in his life. So he still has a lot of potential, a lot of raw talent. But I, I do think that even that high in the, in the second round seemed to be a bit of a surprise for me. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, my reaction was a little bit more negative than surprise, um, but I'm a fan, so I'm hoping you can talk me out of this. Here's, yeah. Here are my issues with the pick. Um, number one, um, they're justifying it based on how important the tight end is in the Sean McVay system, right? Which is which is undeniable. Undeniable. And realistically, I had read a lot of comparisons of him to Jordan Reed before the Rams were even linked to him. Fair, fair. Uh, but unclear why then they you know uh don't go after a a tight end in free agency or and well and cut lance Hendricks. who i'm not a fan of lance Hendricks by any means but if it's so important why leave yourself so vulnerable uh what would have happened if if uh if everett had been taken as well um if, if we're so dependent on this position um uh, I agree with you that I think if you if you don't think he's getting out of the second round, then why do you end up taking him 44th overall? Why not trade down again, get some more booty, um, acquire more picks later? Um, and then finally, you know, I, my, big, my, my final issue is that Forrest Lamp was sitting there who, and um, the Rams really need him. I don't know what to say. They really need Forrest Lamp. He can play guard and tackle. And while I, I, um, I don't, I think he might be the best offensive lineman in the draft. I'm not a tape head, so I, sure, you know, I don't yeah. proclaim to be. But I know how people were valuing him as a talent, and I know that he slipped to them. And I definitely know what the Rams have on their <laughs> offensive line, and I think I'd know better than. Aaron Cromer and Sean McVay. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure point. you do. You've watched probably so a lot of poor offensive line performances uh, over so, the years of watching the Rams. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, the question to me it, it raises a larger question. Well, I had a, a couple of things, um, but talk me off that building. Yeah, sure. I'll I'll enter that in reverse order. Uh, Forrest Lamp specifically, um, I think would have been a great fit for the Rams. The first time I saw his tape uh, before his name was interesting. Well, his name was always interesting. His last name is Lamp. But before I really saw much of a value in his pick, I thought he would have been a great pick for the Rams, wherever he could have been. Um, I thought that he would have been... Well, better for the bright lights Yeah, <laughs> certainly. Well, he's here the anyway. He's here in Los Angeles. I mean, yeah. the Chargers truly had an incredible draft. If I could trade... Uh, draft picks with any team, it would be the Chargers. Chargers they got and Niners, just kid, the two worst things that could have happened. happened. <laughs> and realistically, I mean, the Chargers got a potentially elite receiver and a potentially elite offensive lineman, which are two things the Rams absolutely needed and did not get. But, you know, Lamp fits what the Rams are trying to do as well because of what we're hearing about how the best five will play. I mean, they've got uh, Whitworth locked into the left tackle, but everything else seems to be open. Force Lamp is a versatile talent. But realistically, I mean, Cromer is coming out and saying that he thinks that his guys are better than any other rookies available. Um, and I think that 
you know, this was a pretty poor year for offensive line talent. Um, this is not an immediate building impact for the uh, for the Rams. I mean, it's not going to be something where next year they're just going to be in the playoff contention right off the bat because of one offseason and one new coach. Um, and I think that they're realizing that maybe next year with presumably a pretty high overall pick, they could probably get an even better offensive lineman and presumably one that can replace either Greg Robinson or Rob Havenstein or John Sullivan. I think realistically then that uh, all three of those guys potentially don't have a very long future with the team. So we'll see what they look like at new positions moving forward. But I would have loved Lamp, um, which sounds like a quote from Anchorman. But also, I think, uh, you know, moving backwards on your point, why didn't the Rams look during free agency? I do think it was a very deep tight end class this year. Um, even even later in the rounds, whether it was like George Kittle from Iowa or, you know, earlier, like Evan Engram, potentially O.J. Howard could have fallen. I think there were a lot of variables where the Rams realized that they could have gotten a pretty strong tight end. Um, I do think that Gerald Everett is the one that fits the best with the Sean McVay offense. So I think that's why they didn't go for somebody during free agency is they realized that they could have uh, pretty much gotten somebody who could make a day one impact. And why did they cut Lance Kendricks if it was such a valuable thing to have a tight end? Because Kendricks wasn't the one that was going to perform to the way that Sean McVay wanted. I mean, yeah, no, I don't want to. Yeah, I he, don't miss. I'm not making a case for. Well, I, I, I mean, just went crazy when. Yeah, I mean, it's just. I was happy. As yeah, it, it was not only a great cap saving, but at the same time, it was also something where the Rams realized that, you know, they could get a better player than him uh, during during the during the draft. And. You know, there weren't too many tight ends. Martellus Bennett was going to cost a lot of money. I love Martellus Bennett uh, just as a player and as a locker room personality and as a Twitter follow. But, you know, he's going to cost a lot more money than the Rams have been able to have. Uh, Vernon Davis is a player who's played under McVay before, but not somebody who would be a long-term solution. Whereas, you know, I think Gerald Everett could be the starting tight end of the future um, to kind of work alongside a two tight end set. Uh, with Tyler Higby for a long time. 69th overall, their first of two third round picks. Uh, Cooper Cup. What did you uh, what did you make of the Cooper Cup selection? So when Cooper Cup also much like Forrest Lamp first started coming up with uh, with with one of those players who people were getting hyped about who necessarily who weren't necessarily at a big five uh, power conference school. Um, he was somebody that I got immediately pretty excited about. Uh, I went to the University of Oregon, so I watched him completely destroy Oregon. But a lot of those teams that he played in the Pac-12 had really poor pass defenses. Uh, Oregon especially can speak to that. Um, I think, and a lot of the defense of Cup in the in the last uh, week or two, two, right, talking about his inferior competition, has cited the fact that he thrived so well when he went up against yeah. Pac-12 competition. If they looked at those Pac-12 teams, those teams were usually... I mean, I think the year that he faced Oregon, Oregon was bottom five in pass defense in the nation. Yeah. And that's, you know, they were they were a solid team that season. Um, that's still when Vernon Adams was on the squad, so they, they weren't as bad as they were last season. But at the same time, he wasn't facing the top Pac-12 pass defenses uh, not that Pac-12 even is known for that to begin with. They're usually more pass-heavy, not exactly pass defense. But, you know, Cooper Cup is a valuable playmaker. He was a surprising pick for me um, because the more I started to read up on him, the more I realized that at the next level, he'd be a very valuable slot player. So I kind of crossed him off my board when I thought about Cooper Cup because I realized that we already had the most overpaid <laughs> slot receiver in the game. Now, what I'm realizing in retrospect is that 
just because Cup can play the slot doesn't mean that Tavon's going to stay in the slot. Um, it seems to me like Tavon will probably use more as an outside receiver, um, kind of like how we expected to use. I, I don't necessarily think it's a good move. Him? I mean, that's no. The, the thing is, yeah. I, I have seen him and realistically, that's not his move. I mean, that's not what he did I in college the, either. Right, he didn't do that in college. I, I wanted to bring this up later, but I won't bring it up now. How well do you think Sean McVay? I have I have some thoughts about this. How well does he really know this roster? Um, he is, uh, you know, I, I actually caught him uh, referring to Jamon Brown uh, going into his second season up on a, on the on the mic prior to the draft when it's his third season. Um, he seems to think it's a real priority to replace Corey Harkey uh, as who was as, valuable as yeah. a fullback. Um, he wants to turn Tavon Austin into a deep threat. Um, even, you know, even the motto, we, we, not me, I feel felt is like, is just sort of off kilter because that wasn't, that wasn't the problem under yeah. Jeff Fisher. They were a total we team. That was the only thing good about yeah. this team that they, pl- they played as a team, as a group, always competitively, always had each other's back. Um, seemed to get along, seemed to have a lot of camaraderie. Yeah, it wasn't exactly a diva team. No. It wasn't exactly a me first team. Does he even... I mean, how could he have known the team that well? I mean, it's not like they were division rivals. He's had they, a while to learn well, about what this I'm team. Saying is, yeah, and he's going to put Tavon Austin on the outside. It's, my thought with that, just answering that off the yeah. top, is less so than Tavon Austin becoming an outside receiver, which... You know, I think John Ross would have been an incredible one, but he went way earlier than I ever would have thought. Um, it's more so that they kind of are in a place now where they can replace Tavon moving forward without him really having much drop off. Uh, Cooper Cup, even Robert Woods can play in the slot. I know Pharaoh Cooper is going to be uh, kind of a similar player to Tavon in the slot. Um, I think more so than it being an immediate change for Tavon to be an outside receiver, it's more of the Rams to realize like, Listen, that was a bad contract. Yeah. And now we have tools where if we don't want him, even yeah. if we want to cut him potentially, because yeah. he's got no trade value with that contract. I've heard he's a million against the cap if he's traded next year. Is yeah. he also a million against the cap if he's released? I think after next season. So I think after next. Um, yeah. And I could be wrong about that. Something I'd have to track with Spotrack on or over the cap, which are fantastic resources. But at the same time, I think realistically, I don't know how much future Tavon now has with the receivers that are on the roster. Um, that's why when it comes down to, you know, who's going to make the team next season, I would I would imagine that there's going to be a surplus of wide receivers, and a lot of them are going to be realizing that it's not just for this season they're playing for, but it's kind of a long long period of, of time. So as for how well Sean McVay knows the team, I imagine that, you know, he, there's a lot of players knowing every single thing about each one of them. He probably knows quite a bit more than I do when it comes down to it. He's done a lot of his homework, but when you're in public with your mic in front of you as a first-time head coach, slip-ups happen the same way typos happen when you're writing. And, you know, I'm sure he, if pressed to it, he, he would know right now that Jamon Brown has had two years of playing. Okay, but that's thing, fair. Th- there's things just kind of slip. And, you know, he, he doesn't seem like a clueless guy. He seems like a guy who knows his football. I don't get the impression that he uh, that he's completely ignorant to this team. I mean, he, he's, that's his job. It's his one job right now is to work on these kind of things. So I'd imagine that when it comes down to like Sean McVay, knowing the team versus not knowing the team, I would, I would venture to say that he, he knows it pretty well, 
but you know he's he's young he's he's not experienced with with being the lead go-to question guy and it's been interesting kind of watching his comments versus uh, Les Need's comments during all of these hmm. pre and post draft press conference because Les Need kind of feels like he's making dumb jokes and he's got this like personality that he does whereas Sean he's not stiff but he kind of is just more like he doesn't feel like his character has developed quite yet mm. in the same way. He seems like he's still trying to figure out who he is with the media. And right. sometimes that'll lead to slip ups until yeah. he kind of figures out. I mean, Jeff Fisher, for what he may be, certainly knew how to talk to the media. He knew exactly who he was. He knew exactly yeah. what his role was when talking to the media. And that was perhaps the most endearing thing about him. Um, yep. So the media, a lot of media really I guess knew I him just, loved him too. I, I find that the media is constructing Sean McVay as this boy genius. And I guess I'm questioning whether that is the right way to think about him. I mean, you can call him a boy genius, but he's still a boy. Third round pick via, uh, so this is the pick that the Rams get for trading down in the second round. They get this 91st pick, um, an extra pick, um, which in theory was a good thing i think yeah no, um, because there was so much value in the third and fourth round according to everyone um they um they picked john johnson out of uh bc um has the same name as um the first uh selection that the rams made upon moving to anaheim in 1980, Johnny Johnson, and actually a very similar player, a, a versatile defensive back that can pretty much play anywhere in the secondary. Um, wasn't my favorite pick, um, but but had, had, what was your take on this? Uh, John Johnson was probably my least favorite pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, he might have a, a decent career, but he feels like he's just sort of a positional player who will come in every once in a while, just a rotational guy. Um, and that seems to be his upside. Mm-hmm. Um, his, I don't see anything that really translates at, at, at the real level to the NFL. Rodney McLeod. Yeah. That's what I immediately thought when he was picked, um, that this is the Rodney McLeod heir apparent. Um, a guy who isn't that big hitting classical he seems afraid safety. To, he's efficient, but kind of afraid to like tackle. But, but that sounded like Rodney yeah. McLeod was, you know, wasn't a big hitter himself. But the thing is, like Johnson doesn't have like elite speed, doesn't have elite athleticism. Yeah, he's just a, he's a versatile guy who can please had snaps at cornerback, which I like as well. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think that if they're going to replace um, T.J. McDonald, T.J. McDonald internally, it seems like they'll be doing that with Lamarcus Joyner and. Marcus Joyner seems to have lost his spot at Nickelback to, to Nickel Roby Coleman. It's hard to talk about that because these are two different systems, I feel like. Yeah, but Replacing, realistically, I well, it's not replaced as much yeah. as it is a roster spot, though, roster in, spot, in, the, yeah. in terms of snap count. Yeah. So he'll be getting a lot, like Nicky Roby Coleman will be getting a lot of those snap counts that Joyner got last season. And then it seems like Joyner will be moving over to more of the safety position, which he does have some experience at. So at that point, it seems like John Johnson's going to be at least in the immediate future in the next couple of seasons, while Alexander and and Joyner are still under contract, more of a backup. Well, they're which, both they're both free agents following this season, so. But I don't more. think they'll be particularly expensive to bring back. Okay. Um. So unless they want to go with a big bigger option in terms of uh, free agency when a lot of that money clears up in the future, um, which I don't think they'll do because they owe a lot of money to Aaron Donald. So I think they're going to still be kind of thrifty moving forward. Um. 
I think they'll probably bring those guys back. I mean, mm-hmm. I could be wrong about that, but from what I've seen, it seems like that's what they'll do. Um, Johnson still seems more like a backup to me, and that seems really early to draft somebody who doesn't have much starting potential. The fourth round, um, uh, first of two fourth round picks was made by, in the, the, the Rams had this video with uh, the Walking Dead creator, Robert Kirkman, and, and this former star who was killed off, uh, Michael Cudlitz. Spoiler uh, alert for those of you who don't watch The Walking Dead. Whoops, sorry. Um, and spoiler alert for those of you who uh, don't know about the Rams next season. Two and 14. Um, no. Um, but uh, I was really disappointed. <laughs> Is that your actual pick? <laughs> I, I was uh, disappointed with the the video, actually, because um, I just thought, it, basically, it ended up being just like Vince Gar- Ferragamo making the selection, holding a bat. Um, sort of bummer. But uh, the, the selection is Josh Reynolds, 117th overall. Um, we uh, traded down also with the Bears. Um, so uh, with a pick that we later use uh, to select Samson Ebukam. Um Josh Reynolds seems to be widely appreciated in at least Rams Twitter as the favorite selection. Of the it was draft. my favorite selection of the draft. Um, I was receiving text messages as uh, who the Rams were picking because uh, I couldn't take the NFL tape delay. And that was the only one where I responded with an all cap saying, love that. Um, another player the Rams had met with beforehand and, you know, there were other players that the Rams had met with that I didn't know they met with. So there were players that weren't on my list. But Reynolds was somebody that I had been studying. Um, again, kind of like Reynolds, he won't be a starter. He doesn't necessarily project as a number one or number two. But I think he's a great deep threat. And, um, you know, I think Everett's also a great deep threat. Uh, between the two of them, I think that just alone will add touchdowns and, and less dropped passes from receivers um, and playmakers than the Rams fans may have been used to last season. I think if they were looking to add targets who can catch the ball and score, which is kind of the name of the game on offense sometimes, uh, at least <laughs> if you're an efficient offense, that uh, Reynolds and Everett are both two fantastic options. So I, I liked that pick a lot. I don't know how much playing time he's going to get. I imagine he'll make the roster. Yeah. Um, and once he's on the roster, I think he'll come in and have a pretty good impact in terms of uh, you know scoring the ball and getting some real touches. Um, we can do four and and uh, uh, pick uh, fourth round pick Samson Ebukam and seventh round pick Ejwan Price together because these are two. Yeah, they, they feel very similar to me similar as well. Kind of picks Ebukam. Um, they you they get that extra pick in the Reynolds trade down. Then they trade up with the Jets, select him one hundred twenty fifth overall. He's um, Jackie Slater actually makes that selection um, from the same uh, school as Cooper Cup. So I imagine you might have uh, had some experience watching him. Yeah, I think um, this kind of reminded me of the Gerald Everett pick where there's a lot of upside. I love him as an athlete, did not need to trade up to get him. Yeah, Um, he was the first player drafted that was just not on the draft radars for like any team from what I know. Or at least not necessarily the teams, but at least the mock drafts. I don't think I saw his name on a single mock draft. And I looked at a lot of seven round mock drafts and doing my research and looked at Rams with a potential player name on Twitter and on Google for basically everybody looked at forums to see who they were looking at. And I didn't see his name come up very much. Now, once I looked at this tape and once I looked at his highlights 
And once I remembered kind of thinking about him and playing the Pac-12 teams, both from, you know, Oregon and also other Pac-12 teams that I'd watched that Eastern Washington had played, a lot of lot of potential there. So that that also reminded me of Everett. But if they're going to trade up to get him, trade up to somebody that's still around. I think even Isaiah Ford was still around then. Um, Again, that would have been three receivers, which may have been excessive considering they had already signed one during the offseason and they already have some on the roster from last season. So not everyone's going to make the team. But, you know, I think if you're going to trade up, you should trade up for somebody who you can really trust will will make an impact. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping he becomes like a Maurice Alexander kind of. Yeah, he's he's really explosive. Um, he can rush the passer, rush the passer very well. My issue is that there were so many edge guys earlier. Yeah. Why are they spending the three on John Johnson so that they need to trade up to get Samson Ebukam? Ejwan was cool. I, I, I mean, he, he does have a lot of Aaron Donald in him. Um, the thing about him is just his injury past, but I'm not big on calling somebody injury prone, um, unless they're like really tiny and just prove that they've gotten beat up or like maybe it's multiple ACL tears or something Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Um, That's why honestly John Ross did kind of scare me because he was, he was small and also did did have ACL history, but I don't think that he was injury prone. I'm talking about Ejwan as much as he's just had injuries. So there's less tape on him, but the tape that people have seen on him looked pretty good. Um, Mike Renner from pro football focus said that no one has more exciting highlights than Ejwan. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's somebody I'm willing to take a take a take a, uh, a pick on. Probably could have been available as an undrafted free agent as well, but somebody that has as many awesome highlights as people are saying that he has is somebody that I'll be excited to have on my team. Cool. Yeah, the player that I really really wanted was Tedrick Thompson from Colorado, mm-hmm. uh, a later round safety who I'd be more than comfortable uh, with being a rotational player. Um, plus, he's from Inglewood, which I think is I I I, I kind of geek out about yeah. that. I did a post about players from the LA area who the Rams could draft for each round. Oh, nice. And a lot of people on Twitter were upset about that saying, I want players from LA. I want players who can impact the team. It's nice when the two can overlap. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially well, next year we'll have uh, Josh Rosen quarterbacking, <laughs> right? So that'll be even better. I, or Sam Darnold, depending yeah, on how, how far the, the Rams finish. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, I mean, when it comes down to like the players who, who were available later. I think there was so much talent at edge in the third round, like you said. And obviously Wade Phillips wants as much of those edge talent as we can get. And there's a lot of players on the Rams roster right now who don't really fit into the three, four still, who I don't know if they'll make the team moving forward. Um, And I kind of pointed out some of those players on the Rams wire recently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I like easily, but I just don't know where he fits without, I mean, Donald kind of has the nose tackle position really locked up right now. Right. Um, and he plays a lot of snaps. And Donald appears to have a backup in our next selection, Tanzel Smart, yeah. 185th overall. I've never seen him play. I did watch the highlights. Uh, you weren't watching much Tulane football last season? <laughs> not so much. Um, um, it was my uh, my safety school for scouting. Um, <laughs> no. Um, but... Um, I mean, I know that Billy Johnson really liked him. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's one of those players that also had met with the team. And and people uh, within the organization were, were obviously impressed with him. And, you know, I think he fills a position and, with anything, adds some depth. And I don't know how much playing time he'll get. But, you know, as a rotational player, um, he definitely is uh, somebody that'll, that'll earn a roster spot if he uh, – it's a position that the Rams are kind of weak on after – 
releasing some of their guys from last season that yep. were getting older. So I think he'll, he'll fill a role. I mean, he won't get as many plays as someone like Eugene Sims did, but I right. think he'll still he'll still have a role at the team moving forward. Um, so Sam Rogers was a pick. That was my least favorite of the draft. <laughs> that's their sixth round pick, 206 overall. Um, that's the pick they got uh, via uh, the flip-flop with Miami after moving William Hayes. This was the uh, the golf. pick for the, the stapler and the coffee machine. Yeah, he's the stapler and the coffee machine. I um, look. I, I you know I think I was disappointed that Corey Harkey saw his playing time decrease last year. I think that was one of the big um, unexplored reasons for the Rams' inability to to get Gurley going all year. Uh, I don't see, I never saw it mentioned, quite frankly. But if you watch Gurley's highlights from, you know, top highlights from 2015, uh, there's a common denominator in in a lot of his big runs, and that is Corey Harkey plowing the way in front of him. The one run that Gurley does bust in 2016 um, against Miami is the key block is Corey Harkey um, this past, I don't know whether it was a health thing, whether it was a Fisher doghouse thing. I doubt it, but um, he went from uh, playing thirty percent of the snaps in two thousand and fifteen to eleven percent of the snaps in two thousand sixteen, and uh, now I'm afraid that um, he's going to go from eleven percent to zero percent because um, the Rams are bringing in Sam Rogers. So my my initial thought when I saw them draft Sam Rogers was how much is Corey Harkey making and you know he's a 1.8 million dollar cap hit for the Rams next season so obviously um, from what you've seen and what you've just described he's a valuable player with real impact Um, but kind of use a baseball term here like what's like the value of the replacement player Um, and if that replacement player is uh, Sam Rogers is he $1.4 million better than Sam Rogers, who will be making pretty close to whatever the rookie minimum is next season? Sure. Um, I think that Sam Rod, what, what I, uh, when the Rams picks Rogers, um, our social media guy and video guy for USA Today that I work with, uh, Will Clark messaged me immediately saying, You're going to love that guy. Hmm. Um, great guy, comes from a small town, was a walk on. All of his teammates love him. Smart kid, uh, willing to be a blocker. He had a great touchdown highlight against Ohio State when Ohio State was ranked, I believe, number one in the country. So he can be a playmaker on offense as well. Um, somebody who in his post-draft press conference call uh, said that he's looking forward to working with Todd Gurley and blocking for Todd Gurley. That's what he said. was like, can't wait to block for Todd Gurley. Um, so I think he's somebody that, you know, if he can produce a touchdown against Ohio State, which is as close to a pro defense as you're going to find in college football, besides maybe Alabama and um, I guess Michigan now too. Come to think of it, a lot of players of Michigan just got drafted. Um, I think most, actually, more than any other team. Yeah, I think they did yeah. too. Washington also had a bunch this season mm-hmm. on defense as well. I think their entire defensive backs. Uh, regardless, though, um, that's a bit of a tangent. Sam Rogers is somebody who will be a much cheaper option and. I think the Rams might be cutting costs a little bit considering they're in the over- wrong places. <laughs> yeah. In the wrong places. Okay. Undrafted free agents is the last place. I, is it, I, I'm not, I don't know any of these guys and I very rarely know the undrafted free agents, the Rams pick up. 
Um, but I, you know, immediately dive into their numbers and their tape after being signed. And it strikes me as a, it, it surprised me. It strikes me like that there weren't any big names there in right. a class that it was as deep as it is now, especially where the Rams have glaring holes at certain positions, undrafted free agents generally tend to gravitate towards teams where they have a chance to make the team. Right. And there are a lot of open positions. I mean, wide receiver, like Duke Williams last year. I watched a lot of Justin Davis football when I was covering USC oh, for Fox Sports. No, no, he was a running back. Um, oh, the USC. Okay. Yeah, he, he could have a chance to actually have some playing time uh, with, with the Rams if Malcolm Brown uh, doesn't really have much future, depending on who how they do in, in, uh, in training and everything like that. But um, Davis has big play potential. Uh, Johnny Munt from Oregon, hmm. I don't see much, but if they like tight ends that much, he does have a chance. Um, he was actually more of a backup tight end last season behind Farrell Brown. Um, but when Farrell Brown missed the 2015 season with a leg injury, Munt was the starter. Um, so he, he showed some upside then. Um, I think Arian Penton has really good. He's a DB. He's a DB, and I think he has a really good chance to make the roster. You have a uh, a story up on uh, Ramswire USA today. Is Ramswire uh, predicting or very early prediction for the fifty three man roster? Yeah. and you have Penton making the two yeah, squad. Yeah, he's kind of a close thing to a lock to me, especially now that uh, Troy Hill has been suspended for two games, which I believe was to the incident last season where he was yeah. moved to the practice squad related to his DUI then, and not a new incident. But with him already knowing that we're not going to get two games out of him, plus he didn't really get very much playing time last season that was useful uh, or productive, um, I think with EJ Gaines and Mike Jordan kind of having a similar role. And you, you're really high on EJ Gaines. I've always loved, I mean, yeah. yeah, I've always loved EJ Gaines. I know that Aaron Penton led the SEC in interceptions yeah. last season, which in and of itself is a nice thing to have on your resume to, you know. You see all the guys from the SEC that were drafted, and this is the guy who led the entire defense, all defensive players interceptions. That's nice. That's a that's nice, a, that's a nice yeah, little yeah. thing to have. Yeah. I mean, if you can come in and get a spot interception or two, that alone is worth a roster yeah. spot for me. Uh, two other guys who I, or actually three other guys who I like uh, that I saw us pick up. Casey Sales. I know a lot of people mm. thought he was going to get drafted. Uh, he He's somebody that a lot of pro people thought were going to get drafted. Pro football focus was really high on him. And then... Um, I think the offensive linemen, especially Jake Eldrenkamp from Washington, have a pretty good chance of making a roster considering we're not exactly very deep at offensive line. And if they come out and impress during uh, during training camp and also considering there wasn't a player that was drafted at offensive line, um, these are kind of the guys that they're fighting with right now. So who knows? I mean, if they could produce as well as maybe Demetrius Rainey or something like that, um, they've got a decent chance of... of uh, getting at least some playing time or at least a shot. And then the other guy that I just like uh, that surprises me is Fularen Oramalde, a linebacker yeah. from Dartmouth. Uh, graduated early with the economics degree from Dartmouth. Yeah. Um, don't know what that says about him as a football player. but He's got a lot of friends. Yeah. Um, his friends are just going crazy on <laughs> Twitter really that he was, he's going to the Rams. Um, that's pretty, pretty cool. Um, so... We come to um, the end of the episode. Um, a lot of people, a lot of backlash against giving draft grades because these guys haven't performed yet. I think that's silly. We're not evaluating what kind of NFL players they are. We're evaluating the value that our team, that the perceived value that our team extracted from this draft. Um, 
ESPN's Mel Kuyper gave the Rams, uh, I think, his worst grade of the draft, C-. Chris Burke of SI gave the Rams a C. Uh, Rob Rang from CBS gave them a C+. Uh, Chad Reuter of NFL.com gave them a B-. Um, and Bleacher Reports' Doug Farrar gave them a B-. Um, what's your, uh, uh, I don't know if you get, gave grades on USA Today's Rams Wire, but um, what's your personal grade of this Rams draft? Um, I might be a little bit higher on it in the earlier half than than others were. So I'd probably give it a C plus depending on how much value the later guys end up having. Luke Easterling uh, from DraftWire was not very high on the Rams. He gave them a C minus, which was, we believe, the lowest in the division. Look, there's a consensus here. Um, and especially, and if we're saying C plus, I mean, it's generally, we're all agreeing the Rams had a bad draft. Do you think we're unfairly punishing them for a double punishment for the Jared Goff selection? Or is this really fair that these guys were overdrafted when they just didn't make use these picks that they did have? Yeah. I'm not really factoring in the fact they didn't have a first round player, um, into my grade. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's why I give a C plus rather than a C minus. But I do think that they reached on almost all like the players. Like if you add Marcus Lattimore to this, it would, do they still get a C plus? Um, it'd probably be closer to a B minus, just because I think Lattimore in particular is yeah. a good pick. Yeah. But knowing the Rams, that would have reached for somebody with that yeah. number five pick. Um, so I mean, they probably would have gone like OJ Howard, honestly, yep. which I think would have been a reach. Yep. Which means they probably would have still gotten a C plus from me, but. So I think that both in reality and in fantasy, the yeah. Rams get a C plus from you. Um, I'm going to give them a um, C minus on day two and an A minus on day three for an overall B minus. But you're going to get an A plus for listening to this very special episode of The Greatest Show on Grass. For more of Brian Kalbroski, check out his writings on theramswire.usatoday.com. If you like today's show, please subscribe, rate, and then give it a five-star review on iTunes and recommend it to the Rams fans in your lives, whether they've been rooting for the team for 81 years or one year. Hang the DJ, hang the DJ, hang the DJ.